Before we get started on this week's episode of Let's Talk About Chef, I would very quickly like to thank everyone for tuning in and continuing to write into the show. It really does make it all worthwhile to hear from people around the world every single week. Let's Talk About Chef is available on virtually every single platform you can think of to listen to podcasts, so if you can take a second to tell a friend about the show, we would greatly appreciate it and we are very easy to find. If you want your restaurant or your favorite restaurant or dive bar or whatever shout out on the podcast, you can write to us for that or any other reason to let's talk about chef at gmail.com or you can follow me personally on Instagram at Chef Brian Clark. That's enough from me. Let's get right into this week's episode of Let's Talk About Chef. We are all guilty of it. We have all done it. Before we go to a restaurant with our friends or before we walk out the door to go to dinner at all, we all do it. The phrase, let me check it out online, has become a common saying that only a few years ago would have been unheard of. We all do it, though. Go online and look at TripAdvisor to see what others have said about where we are heading. Every single month, 456 million people, that's one for every 16 people on Earth, go to a TripAdvisor page to see what people who braved the waters before them have thought about the place that you will or won't be dining in. TripAdvisor may seem like a safe environment. It may seem like a place that one could trust with honest and careful reviews left by thoughtful patrons who want to give their honest opinions. I mean, there's no way that a company that makes billions of dollars would ever allow scheming revenge and paid fake reviews to ever screw with its site, right? The public should be able to trust the words of others and assume that they have our best interests at heart, and I think that we all know that that isn't a real thing. Online reviews are a dangerous, scary, and very modern aspect to owning a restaurant. They are a big business. They have made a lot of people very rich by giving a loudspeaker to everyone. The sheer fact that your business can live and die by the different perspectives and personal opinions of others is something that I know from experience can keep you up at night as a restaurant owner. It takes one bad review, one bad write-up to hurt a new restaurant, and that is a disturbing fact of the restaurant industry today. This week on Let's Talk About Chef, we're not talking about chefs, we're not talking about food. We're talking about one of the greatest threats that chefs and restaurateurs have to deal with on a daily basis. We're diving into the history, story, some of the best reviews from restaurants' worst enemy, TripAdvisor. I was told to check out the zebras crossing Abbey Road whilst in London, but didn't see any. Perhaps you have to come at night to see them. There were lots of people there looking for them, but I didn't see a single one. I'd recommend London Zoo at Regent's Park over Abbey Road for watching zebras. One star. Trip 
TripAdvisor was started above a small pizza shop in Massachusetts by the four horsemen of the apocalypse. I, I mean friends. Their names are Stephen Coffer, Langley Steinhardt, Nick Shanny, and Thomas Pelka. The company was never meant to be the giant of consumer reviews it turned into. It was meant to be a sort of search engine where people could log into the page and search for a destination, like a Hotels.com or Trivago. Like those other companies, TripAdvisor would show visitors to their sites the best prices, where to eat, and where to stay. Basically be a one-stop shop for all of your travel needs. The only problem was that nobody cared. In the early 2000s, during the dot-com boom, there were literally hundreds of websites that all were trying to do what TripAdvisor was doing. Everyone was trying to offer the best deals on hotels, the best places to eat, with reviews coming from educated and actual reviewers. When dozens of web pages all had the same reviews from the same reviewers sourced from a local paper or some big-time vacation magazine, TripAdvisor had to figure out how to make money. So they started charging the hotels that people searched for on their sites a small fee every single time somebody clicked on one to look at it. Basically, if you went onto TripAdvisor and searched New York City, a bunch of hotels would come up. If you clicked on one, TripAdvisor would charge that hotel to be featured on their site. It may sound ridiculous, but the company was making about $70,000 a month by charging these pennies per click. However, they still weren't making enough money to be even. The solution to the financial problem that TripAdvisor found themselves in after a year and a half of no revenue, no one coming to their page and being on the verge of bankruptcy was simple. Add a very small, very innocent looking, have you been here button that allowed visitors to leave a review of their own and suddenly the floodgates opened. TripAdvisor very quickly began to get more traffic, a lot of traffic, because of the user reviews, all based on a five-star scale. At first, these reviews were handled by a small team, but as the company began to outgrow the office above the pizza shop and expand worldwide, there was no way to track every single review, and all of a sudden, even though there were genuinely fair and well-written reviews on restaurants, TripAdvisor became a place that restaurant owners would write reviews to not only try to increase their ranking on the site, but to destroy the competition of others. If you owned a small independent restaurant in 2005, you suddenly had a very new and very real problem on your hands. Even though you may be located in a great town, beloved by the public and always busy, the internet and TripAdvisor became your worst enemy because even though you were widely considered to be a great restaurant, because of two one-star reviews by horrible customers that had ruined your and the other patrons' nights when they attended your place, you were all of a sudden ranked 50th out of the 200 restaurants in your town. Remember, people are less likely to write a positive review of a restaurant. So even though you have a great restaurant, nobody new will ever come to it because one quick look at TripAdvisor and your restaurant is a pile of garbage. So, in a desperate attempt to raise your rating, you go online and write a five-star review for your own restaurant. Then you write another one, and another one. Meanwhile, everyone around you is getting their staff to write them reviews, their friends to write them reviews, and this continued for months. If any business got a one-star review from an actual customer, the staff and owners would bury it with five-star reviews, improving their rating and improving their rank. Until TripAdvisor figured out that this was happening, its reviews were basically free advertising. But when they did find out, it caused havoc with their security. They couldn't prove what reviews were fake and which ones were real. There are still restaurants to this day that are horrible, horrible places to eat that because of a few long nights of creating fake emails and writing glowing reviews on TripAdvisor 10 years ago are still ranked number one or two in their city, tricking customers to come in. 
There were and still are entire companies set up by enterprising internet douchebags that would send emails out to restaurants to ask if they wanted to pay them to write fake reviews. These companies would then, upon pavement, flood their site of their client with a mixture of four and five star reviews, each personalized so as not to try and get caught by the site. Obviously, this had to stop. And after spending a lot of money on cybersecurity and algorithms to try and catch people, TripAdvisor thought they had finally come up with a solution. IP addresses. If you log into the site now to write a review, your IP address is tracked. If you log in again for that same IP address, the site flags your review and chances are it will come down. But as I am sure most of you know, and a lot of hackers know as well, you can simply bounce your IP address to anywhere in the world, making the security on TripAdvisor useless. With the general population not realizing that most of the reviews they were reading on TripAdvisor were fake, the website had to do something to try and stop it. And so they did. They tried to send a message. They sent an Italian man to prison for nine months for writing fake reviews. In September 2018, an unnamed Italian man had a company called Promo Salento, which sold glowing reviews on TripAdvisor to businesses. Why? Because everyone was doing that. And he made a lot of money doing it too. Basically, he would send a generic email to restaurants offering to write them reviews for money. Those emails also stupidly included links to reviews he had written. One pissed off restaurant owner saw a rival restaurant's name who happened to have a higher rank on the list, and so they sent an email to TripAdvisor who immediately demoted the places that had paid the man to write reviews in their rankings, and then went to the police who launched a criminal prosecution against the man, and TripAdvisor joined the case as a civil claimant. By June, the trial had ended. The man had been sentenced to nine months in prison and had to pay 8,000 euros in fines for writing fake reviews on TripAdvisor. You might be thinking right now that I'm being unfair to TripAdvisor, that I'm being biased. You're not wrong. But before we take a short break to hear from our sponsor, I would just like to tell you that last year, TripAdvisor was caught by the United States Federal Trade Commission of manipulating reviews on its site. They were taking down any reviews that mention any type of sexual assault, removing any mention in a review that a traveler may have left to warn others to not go to hotels or cruise ships where the assault took place. Why? Because hotels and cruise ships still pay TripAdvisor to feature them on their site. This episode of Let's Talk About Chef is being brought to you by the New Yorker magazine. Do you want the best journalism, the best stories, the best magazine in the world delivered right to your door? Well, now's your chance. And right now, it'll only cost you $6 for 12 weeks. So, for 50 cents a week, you will get the New Yorker print edition mailed to your home as well as online access to all of its archives and digital content that is only available to subscribers and is updated every single day. You'll also get the New Yorker magazine tote bag that you can give to your kid when they go back to school so that their teacher thinks they're really, really smart. To get the New Yorker magazine for $6 for 12 weeks, head over to newyorker.com. And now, back to the show. After being greeted at the door by the concierge, our bags were taken swiftly to our suite by the charming lobby boy. I travel with my blonde and somewhat needy single friend, and she was quite taken by Mr. Gustav, who couldn't do enough for her. The spa bath was a little chilly, but the winter gardens were delightful. 
There was always plenty of empty tables at the restaurant and more food than I could possibly eat. I would recommend the upper floors of the hotel. Igor, the elevator assistant, will be happy to assist you. Five stars. That was one of 345 very real reviews that exist on TripAdvisor for Wes Anderson's fictional Grand Budapest Hotel. You would think that with TripAdvisor's relentless security, figuring out how to stop the IP address scam and sending a man to prison for writing fake reviews that the website would all of a sudden be a safe place for people to write their opinions about establishments. A place you could trust. You would be very, very wrong. In 2018, Uba Butler, a young journalist in London, England, was sitting in the shed that he lived in in London, eating toast, bored, when a thought crossed his mind. What if I make my shed the best restaurant in London? His first writing job had been for a company that sold fake reviews to restaurants, and so he thought, why not do it by himself for fun? London, England has the most reviews of any other city that TripAdvisor is listed in. It has 18,179 ranked restaurants alone. And when Uba went online and listed on the site that day that the shed at Dulwich as a new restaurant, he was dead last. He described his shed as a small appointment-only destination for foodies. The food photography he uploaded to the site may have looked like a decadent fudge brownie topped with whipped cream, but actually it was a spray-painted urinal cake black with shaving cream. What looked like a poached egg sitting next to a slab of fresh bacon was in reality an egg and a close-up of Uba's foot. He got everyone he knew to write five-star reviews for his fake restaurant, saying how cozy the atmosphere was, how amazing the food was, and most importantly, how hard it was to get a table. Fairly quickly, because of the five-star reviews and the fact that you couldn't get a table, he began getting phone calls from people wanting to book reservations, only to be told that they were full for the foreseeable future. People started applying to work at the restaurant, servers and bartenders by the hundreds. PR firms wanted to represent the restaurant, and all the while, the shed that was just a shed rose up and up the TripAdvisor rankings. People would write fake five-star reviews saying that they had eaten there, people that he didn't know, just to be able to brag to their friends that they ate at the impossible to get into shed. Uba kept up the game, refusing to interview for food blogs and magazines that all desperately wanted to be the first to land a chance to chat with the owner of London's hottest new restaurant, turning down thousands of reservation requests from all over the world. And then on November 1st, seven months after a bored kid in a shed made a fake restaurant, the shed at Dulwich became the number one ranked restaurant in London, England. What did that prove? What did the shed at Dulwich teach us about TripAdvisor? That even after all of the security, the lawsuits, and the claim that they monitor and control everything, a kid in a shed became the best restaurant in London. What a terrible disappointment. The whole experience was awful, leaving me exhausted and desperate to escape. Firstly, the welcome is warm, if a little over the top. We were placed at a sharing table with about 10 other people. I don't expect to share my dining experience with anybody other than my dining partner. We were told that we had to face each other, sitting down. Perhaps this was done so that people politely chatter about the presentation of the dishes, as opposed to the terrible taste that invade the mouth with each course. Frankly, each course was worse than the last, paired with the most acidic wines. If we hadn't been sat at a joint table and in the middle of nowhere, I would have left after the third course, which included kelp, salt, and oil for the third time. This is probably one of the worst dining experiences of my life. Absolute pointless nonsense. 
the thought of which leaves me retching and never wanting to eat out again. One star, as I could not give less. That was a one-star review of Noma in Copenhagen, one of the best restaurants in the world. At the end of the day, there is one very harsh reality when it comes to TripAdvisor. One in every three reviews on its site are fake. According to TripAdvisor, about $25 billion is spent around the world every single year by people traveling and eating based out upon the reviews of their site, based upon a system that is completely broken. I'm not saying don't use TripAdvisor. I am not trying to say that you shouldn't use it as a tool, as a resource. But maybe, just maybe, don't rely solely upon it. A lot of the best meals of my life have been in holes in the wall, small cramped places that I'm sure would all have terrible reviews. While some of the worst meals I've ever had have been in places with amazing reviews. My opinion of what makes a restaurant great is going to be entirely different from yours. I've said before on this podcast that I judge a restaurant by how they make an old fashioned. I don't know why, I just do, and it's silly. I'm sure that you judge a restaurant for completely different reasons. If I were a traitor to my profession, if I was given a terrible old-fashioned at a bar and it resulted in me writing a one-star review, something that would never happen for the establishment, how much actual business is that review going to cost the bar? Just because I thought they made a crappy old-fashioned. Maybe every other drink in the place is amazing. Maybe the bartender forgot to stir long enough. Maybe I watched way too much Mad Men as a teenager and nobody actually cares about old fashions anymore. It doesn't matter. But by leaving a one-star review, you are hurting a business. Because you didn't like something. When the New York Times food critic Pete Wells reviews a restaurant, he will sometimes go up to seven or eight times before he even thinks about publishing an article about the place. If that restaurant is not ready to be reviewed, he doesn't review it. And yes, he's done terrible reviews, and yes, he's kind of an asshole, and that's his whole shtick, but seven or eight times before he makes an educated, calculated opinion about a restaurant to inform others if they should go there or not. That seems fair. TripAdvisor? Not really. TripAdvisor doesn't care if one in three reviews on its site are faked. It's a game to them. It's about money. This tiny beast that was started by four friends above a pizza shop did not set out to become a publicly traded company on the stock exchange, but they are now. They made $1.5 billion in 2017 based upon reviews that are for the large part faked. How and why would they change that? Maybe we should start to rely on the advice of friends again, of colleagues. If you see a restaurant, use your social media to do what it's supposed to do and ask a question of your circle of friends. Hey, is this place good? Let the people around you that you know and trust tell you what they think. You can tell them what you think. Not a stranger on a website that by all counts is probably being paid to write a glowing story of a place they've never even been to. In the end, one third of TripAdvisor is a lie. They also force restaurants to comply with their rules. They have made a system that you as a restaurateur or chef need to follow, or guess what? When people go to the internet to check out your restaurant, you won't be there. They're kind of the internet mafia. You play our way, or you're out. It's creating warfare and causing people to lie every single day so that they can make money. And TripAdvisor makes a lot of money off of fake reviews that they pretend to control, and on the backs of the free labor of genuine people taking the time to write real reviews. It's money for nothing. 
I am sure that TripAdvisor will never go away. I am sure that it will always be around. But hopefully, it will stop being the law when it comes to what is good and what isn't. Why don't you decide that for once? I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Let's Talk About Chef. It was written by me and produced by Timothy McDonald. I want to thank The New Yorker magazine again for letting us talk about them this week. If you want to write to us for any reason at all, you can send everything to letstalkaboutchef at gmail.com or you can follow me personally at Chef Brian Clark on Instagram. We are back next week with another brand new episode of Let's Talk About Chef. And so until then, as always, I'm Brian Clark. Have a great service and have a great week.